Play the movie. Yeah, play. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning into another episode of the Milk Movies podcast. I have some news to start with that I quite honestly never in my life thought I would be discussing on here or just for the rest of my life, podcast or no podcast. Uh, Disney has done something that I, I guess I don't agree with. They have decided that on November 17th, coming to Disney Plus will be a new Lego Star Wars Christmas special, or should I say holiday special. Now, if you're not familiar with the the original Star Wars uh, holiday special, it released on CBS on the same date, so November 17th, but back in 1978. That was between the original Star Wars film, what we know now as Star Wars A New Hope, and uh, Before the Empire Strikes Back. That came out in uh, 1980. The Star Wars Holiday Special is, simply put, it's not a full movie. It's more of like a one-off. It's a holiday special. It's the worst thing that I've ever seen in my entire life. I love Star Wars. And I hate this. I The Star Wars Holiday Special, there, I mean, there's no other way to put it. It's one of the worst things I've ever seen in my entire life. Like I said, it, they're going to have a crossover with Lego. And before, they didn't have this... They didn't fall under the Disney umbrella. Now, with Disney as the parent company, I kind of trust that it's going to be... It's going to be reined in a little bit. And obviously, when you partner with Lego, that carries it to another level. And you can do a little bit more with it and whatnot. Um, and on the original, again, if you're not familiar with it, it was a crossover between animation and live action. The animation back then, again, it's 1978. It's not the animation style that we're used to today. It's the drawing. So each sequence is drawn out. Uh, the transition from what was drawn with voiceover, uh, from, with voiceovers from the cast, and it, it just, I don't, there's no, I mean, it didn't make sense. It's just, it's so unbelievably bad. Now, I hate to, I'm not ripping on her necessarily. It's just, it's kind of adding to my point of like, it was so outrageous. Carrie Fisher, there have been yeah, kind of like a documentary movie, whatever. There have just been the messages out there that uh, between definitely drugs and possibly alcohol, I actually don't remember that for sure, but I believe the two, she got mixed up in it a lot. Obviously, she's passed on now. We're going to miss her forever. And it wasn't so much that that did it to her, but I got, you get the point there. She's on, She's high the entire time they're filming the star wars holiday special I, I don't know if she was on acid or what but it is very it is so shockingly clear that she is just out of her mind high while they're making this holiday special and it's it's just so hard to watch mark hamill has this weird hairstyle that we're not at least from a luke skywalker standpoint we're not used to seeing so that was a little bit weird again princess leia is just on acid and then harrison ford love him you know he did not want to be there doing this. Um, Chewbacca, it follows like his family, and I'm blanking on the name of the holiday, but thanks to uh, Rise of Skywalker, that episode uh, 9 that came out last December, uh, that's canon now. It's, it's in Star Wars lore, like officially. It's just, 
I'm not looking forward to this. I guess that's my main point. But regardless, the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special will be available on Disney Plus on November 17th. I'm not going to give it a review on here. I refuse to do that. But I'm probably going to talk about the fact like I saw it and we can move on from here. But that's that. I love the Lego movies. I love all of them. And I love Star Wars. But this is just don't, I don't like this at all. But November 17th, it's going to happen. Sticking with Disney, moving on to something that it doesn't really have any legs yet, so just kind of noting that it's a thing. Um, uh, Disney is working on Tron again. They're moving forward with Jared Leto. I believe it was in 2017 that they brought him on to make another Tron movie, but things fell through. That didn't happen. This time, they do have a director attached to it. Last time, they did not. That was part of the falling out. This time, they're calling on Garth Davis to direct I, if I'm being completely honest, I had never even heard of him until this announcement, which as the movie guy, that's not great. The only super notable work that he's done is for Lion that came out in 2016. Not familiar with that either. As the movie guy, you would think I would know all those things, but I don't. I apologize. Uh, from what I'm hearing from reports, having a director attached to this movie at all this time around obviously lends better to it existing and actually uh, becoming a thing and becoming an actual movie, but... Even past that, a lot of people are very optimistic that just having Garth Davis attached to the Tron franchise as just as a fact in general, uh, that does lend better for uh, bringing these movies in the right direction for future films as well, past just this Tron 3 movie. So if you're, if you're a big fan of Tron, this should be some good news for you. Uh, sticking with Disney, this is the last bit of uh, Disney, move, Disney news here. I can talk. Um, Zac Efron has been cast in a remake of Three Men and a Baby for Disney+. Plus. If you're not familiar with the original, uh, it came out in 1987, and it features Tom Selleck, Steve Guttenberg, and Ted Danson, so three big-time names uh, from that era. Even today, I still feel like those names carry some weight. Uh, but those three star as New York bachelors who find themselves caring and subsequently falling for an infant. Now, I, I really like Zac Efron. He kind of did the whole, same thing as Justin Bieber, and I know this happens a lot. Justin Timberlake, another good example of this. There's a phase of them being children, like children, boy stars, and you hate them. And then they grow up and they kind of figure things out. As long as they're able to get through all that, I know that's not easy being a child actor and having that situation and being able to work through it. But those guys did. Zac Efron, a great example. Hated Zac Efron for the longest time. Love Zac Efron now. So... With doing something like this, where Zac Efron is going to be in a, a dad-like role, he's, I mean, he's 100% going to be the main lead here and take over the Tom Selleck role, it's going to attract a lot of people. And especially if it's going to be on Disney+, Plus, people are going to want to see that too. So I don't have a problem with this being remade, especially a movie that uh, by the time it comes out, it's going to be 35 or so years old, 34, 35. Um... I feel like you have the ability to do that, especially with a movie that's not like, I don't know, it's Three Men and a Baby. You can remake that. My issue here, as much as I'm not necessarily personally offended, I just, we live in a PC world and you can't deny that. I mean, that's just how the world is now. So the PC-ness of it in, you know, a dad caring for a child or for their kids, or even if it's not their kids, whatever the case, a dad being like their role in the house it's meant to be completely different than when that movie came out. Between a man and a, a 
a woman, husband and wife, whatever the case, that dynamic is completely different than it was 40 or so years ago. So, I just don't know what's going to be funny about this. I mean, again, I'm not bothered by it. I don't think there's anything wrong with making this. And I'm sure that if you rewatch Three Men and a Baby today, you're not going to be completely put off by the movie and you're going to think like, oh, that's so like offensive and I can't believe that movie came out. But again, if they remake that today through today's lens of everything, I just don't necessarily see how it works without them changing a few things. But but we'll see. Again, I, I couldn't care less. I'm probably not going to see this. I don't I don't care about Zac Efron starring in Three Men and a Baby, even though I just completely lied because I'm probably going to have to see it, but that's beside the point. Zac Efron, uh, he, again, he's been cast in a remake of Three Men and a Baby coming to Disney+. Plus. Moving away from Disney news now, uh, Hulu has acquired the rights to run from Lionsgate. I don't know if Lionsgate is just getting rid of all their movies uh, from their 2020 slate and moving on to 2021. Obviously, I mentioned before that Antebellum has been sent to uh, video on demand in September. Now, uh, Run, again, from Lionsgate is coming to Hulu, so it can be available on streaming. They haven't announced a new release date for it. It was originally set to release uh, around Mother's Day weekend, the synopsis for it, and obviously this will make sense why it was releasing around Mother's Day. Raised in total isolation by her mother, a teenage girl's life begins to unravel as she discovers her mother's sinister secret. The tagline for the movie, Can't Escape Mother's Love. Stars Sarah Paulson. Uh, it's going to be darker, but it's also listed as a comedy and whatnot too. So uh, it's going to be a kind of unique balance, I think. Um, obviously, the daughter meant to escape the mom. Uh, but that's that. Whenever the announcement gets made for when Run will be available on Hulu, probably going to be reviewing it, and I will obviously let you know when that is coming. Moving on to uh, streaming service, to streaming service, to streaming service, talking about Apple TV Plus now. Uh, pretty big news from last week. Martin Scorsese signed an exclusive first look deal with Apple TV Plus to produce new films and TV shows. Uh, this is big time. Um, obviously, if he were to sign with someone like if he's going to choose a streaming service, I should say, if he's going to sign with Netflix or Hulu, HBO, Amazon, that's different. Apple TV Plus, I consider to be far behind those options. So that makes it an extra big deal. He will be working with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. And I can't remember if it's Al Pacino or Robert De Niro. I believe it's Robert De Niro. But they're going to be working together on a new movie that's an adaptation of a book that is for Apple TV Plus as well. They won the bid on the movie. Um, so I don't know if maybe they just... Again, Martin Scorsese and Apple TV Plus. If they've been just having strong negotiations or they're just letting Martin Scorsese do what he wants and he trusts them and he's at this point in his career where he's like, why not? Might as well kind of secure the bag on these things. Um, but it's just interesting. Leonardo DiCaprio, funny enough, actually just did the same thing last week, but he did it with Sony. So a little bit different, obviously, streaming service but uh, versus a traditional production company. Um so it's just interesting. I, I'm just interested to see if this, not that it's become a trend, but maybe if this starts a trend of people signing exclusive deals with companies like this, whether it is Apple TV Plus or Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, HBO, anybody else along those lines. Um, I'm going to tie it into this next point too, because it's another person who I honestly think they'd be great to sign with the company I'm about to mention. Elizabeth Moss is partnering with Blumhouse to adapt uh, Virginia Fito's upcoming novel, Mrs. March. Elizabeth Moss will play a housewife who 
unravel or excuse me unravels when she suspects the protagonist of her husband's latest novel is based on her. I think that this is a perfect blend of Shirley, which I talked about a while ago. That was a Hulu original. Um, Shirley and The Invisible Man. So another Blumhouse movie that Elizabeth starred in earlier this year. Great movie. My guess, not that this really changes anything. We have the synopsis there, but we don't have anything more than that. We don't have a trailer. But my guess, and why I say that it's a perfect blend of those two, my guess is that Elizabeth Moss goes crazy. She has to convince herself and likely others that she's right and that she's not crazy, but ends up being right in the end, and she can't figure out what's real and what's fake and what decisions are hers and uh, what thoughts are coming from the character and something along those lines. Again, doesn't matter if that's right or wrong. That's just where my head's at on that movie right now. So tying that back into the Martin Scorsese signing with Apple TV Plus thing, Elizabeth Moss should just do the same thing with Blumhouse, because why not? She's done great work with them so far, uh, Blumhouse just likes to pump stuff out, and if it's going to work, why not just do it? And again, I don't know that I want that trend to exist, but if it's going to, because it probably will at some point, why not do something like that? Because I think Elizabeth Moss would be a really good fit with Blumhouse, but it's up to her. It doesn't change anything for me whether she does that or not. Uh, sticking with Blumhouse here, four new Blumhouse films will be coming to Amazon Prime in October. So in one month, Blumhouse is going to be sending four movies, and not even just in the same month, in two weeks, in the span of two weeks, they're going to be putting out four new movies, uh, again, on Amazon Prime. The four movies are The Lie and Black Box. Those will be available on Amazon Prime on October 6th. Uh, Nocturne and Evil Eye will arrive on October 13th. I'm not going to bother with the synopsis for all of them because it's four movies. We're two months away and I don't want to get it all mixed up. So if you want to look it up, they do have the synopsis available for those movies already. Uh, Sydney Sweeney has been the biggest name attached to these movies so far. I don't know if she's going to be starring in all of them, but she's definitely in one of them. Uh, but I think this is cool. If you're not familiar with the Blumhouse strategy or you know how they actually make their movies, the general idea is that every movie is very low budget and they just make a million of them throughout the year they're not always going to be good that's not i shouldn't say that's not the point obviously they want to make a return on their or in their movies um but that is the point it's low budget just pump them out and they're going to make their money back because typically a blumhouse movie is going to be scary and they're going to reach uh, depending on the movie more so like middle school to early high school audience that wants to just see something to kind of scare them a little bit uh and then like i said make their money back and they usually do so can't knock them for it. They got a good uh, strategy working for them right now. But again, Elizabeth Moss, if you're looking for someone to sign an exclusive deal with, go to Blumhouse. That'd be great for, I think, everybody. Moving on uh, from true movie news. Again, if you don't remember me talking about it last week, I am going to cut back on movie news in general. I know I think the time that I'm talking about these things stays about the same. But the other point in that too is I want to be able to talk about the news pieces that I bring up. So Make sure you're following me on Twitter, at Milk Movies, if you want to catch up with everything. So again, for these trailers, I'm just going to be talking about two that released last week, but there were more than that. These are just the two biggest ones. Uh, the first one is The Owners, starring Maisie Williams. Maisie Williams was Arya Stark in uh, Game of Thrones, if you're not familiar with the name Maisie Williams. And she'll also be starring in The New Mutants, which is coming later this month, so get excited for that. The synopsis for The Owners, a group of friends think they find an easy score at an empty house with a safe full of cash. But when the owners, an elderly couple, come home early, the tables are suddenly turned. I don't have the highest hopes for this movie. 
ironically, what I was just talking about, I actually think this would be better off as a Blumhouse movie. Uh, the director for this movie, I'm blanking on his name, uh, but he is making his directorial debut for this movie. I could be completely wrong. I'm hoping that he can make something really awesome with this. If you got someone like Maisie Williams attached, I think that's a good start. Um, it looks fine, I guess I should say. It's, I don't know. It's going to be available on demand with a limited theatrical release on September 4th. So we're uh, coming up on the release of The Owners. Um, so we'll see. There are so many movies coming out that weekend. So my guess is I'm still going to watch this. Uh, I don't know for sure that I'm going to be able to review it on the podcast. Again, with how many movies are coming out that weekend. And with theaters opening back up uh, really quick. I don't talk about it the rest of the episode. Uh, but AMC did send out a mass email to their A-listers, and uh, they've been obviously vocal on social media and wherever else that they're opening back up. And as long as, depending on state and city regulations and whatnot, you should be able to get back into the theater uh, very soon here. I believe it's by September 3rd that they're looking to have every theater open back up. They're already opening up uh, overseas from the United States at least. Um, so slowly but surely, we're kind of getting back to normalcy and theaters are included in that normalcy. So that's that again, September 4th, by that time or starting then is when uh, movies will start to maybe sort of turn back to normal. Uh, moving on to uh, another new movie coming out, another trailer that we got. Talked about this a while ago with the announcement. The Devil All the Time is coming to Netflix. Uh, that is coming later that month, I believe. I completely did not put the release date on there. I believe it's September 18th, so that'll be two weeks after that September 4th release for the owners. Uh, but the synopsis for The Devil All the Time. Sinister characters converge around a young man devoted to protecting those he loves in a post-war backwoods town teeming with corruption and brutality. The cast for this movie is unbelievable. Tom Holland, Robert Pattinson, Harry Melling, Riley Keough, Haley Bennett, Bill Skarsgård, Sebastian Stan, Eliza Scanlon, Mia Wasikowska, and Jason Clark. Great names attached to this movie. It looks very good. Unlike the other Netflix movie that I'm going to be talking about today, spoiler alert, did not like it at all. This looks very good. I don't, I've said it a million times, I don't trust everything that Netflix puts out. A lot of the time they just have this gross, bland, boring, nothing template that they follow in making their movies, and it does nothing for me. This looks like some of their better work, and I'm really, really looking forward to The Devil all the time from Netflix. This looks like one of their uh, bigger productions for 2020. I'm not at all going to jump on board and say like, oh, this could be movie of the year, even though there's pretty much zero competition for something like that. Uh, but I do have, I have really high hopes for The Devil all the time, and I'm, I'm very much looking forward to this movie. Again, didn't write it down because apparently I just didn't want to, uh, but that should be coming to Netflix September 18th, definitely in September. Uh, moving on to what's going to be happening next week. The biggest news, for sure, aside from some movies that are going to be coming out, next Saturday, August 22nd, that's when DC Fandom is finally happening. They've been... Again, I've talked about it. It seems like almost every episode, if not every other episode, DC's been on a heater of just just good news for the most part. Um, again, DC Fandom will be next Saturday. It's going to be their 24-hour personal version of Comic-Con. In a sense, they're going to be releasing uh, movie news, TV show news, comic news, video game news, just everything that DC has on the table right now. We're going to get at least an update on it. Um, I put out the schedule on my Twitter. It just highlighted some of the bigger things, so I will highlight those highlights here really quick. Again, that schedule is on Twitter, at Milk Movies. 
The highlights of the highlights include updates on the Snyder Cut. We should be getting our first teaser trailer for that as well. We've already seen the actual movie. It's going to be really interesting to see what Zack Snyder has done with his own cut of Justice League. Uh, so we'll be getting a very cool update on that. I'm, I'm so split on how I feel about that because I'm really not expecting anything crazy, but I'm also looking forward to him at least getting to have his vision portrayed and we'll see an update on the Snyder Cut will be cool uh, another update we're going to be getting is The Rock in a panel for Black Adam uh, there should be some other surprise guests at that panel they've been in almost every bit of news or every time slot every panel it says like and surprise guests I don't know who that's going to be I don't know how many surprises they have up their sleeves but I mean, I don't know, that at least gets my interest, but a panel for Black Adam and a first look at the character, hopefully, again, with The Rock. Very much looking forward to that. Another one, another surprise, title to be announced. I believe that's at 645. Um, I don't know. I have no idea what the title to be announced is. I don't know if it's a video game. I don't know if it's a movie. In the schedule, it does say dash a new movie question mark. I just put it verbatim dash a movie or new movie question mark because i have no idea what they mean is it going to be a new video game it's going to be a new movie it's going to be a new tv show no idea maybe and they've been talking about this too maybe we get an update on the true dc extended universe batman ben affleck is out the batman the batman i guess it's called with robert pattinson that's not technically canon that's not in the dc extended universe it's its, its own thing they're getting a panel as well. So we'll get an update on The Batman with Matt Reeves and surprise guests. Uh, but maybe, again, title to be announced, maybe Batman or Superman. Maybe one of them is going to get uh, their own solo movie again. But regardless, still cool. Again, DC Fandom next Saturday for 24 hours. New movies that are coming out next weekend, next Friday. The one and only Ivan will be available on Disney+. Plus. Synopsis, a gorilla named Ivan tries to piece together his past with the help of an elephant named Stella as they hatch a plan to escape from captivity. A pretty solid cast attached to this. Brian Cranston will be leading the way as a live-action character. A lot of these other names are going to be uh, voice actors. Uh, but we have Sam Rockwell, Angelina Jolie, and Danny DeVito attached to this movie. So uh, it's going to be, I think, just a good family movie. Going to be talking about that on the podcast unless... I watch it and I decide otherwise and it's not worth talking about on here. But for now, the plan is to talk about the one and only Ivan. Uh, Tesla is going to be coming out next Friday as well. That will be available on demand with a limited theatrical release that stars Ethan Hawke. And it tells the story of Nikola Tesla in a very unique way. I put on my little docket, think the office, because it's going to, if you haven't seen the trailer, the movie seems like it's going to have cutaways to characters in it talking about the current situation and tesla and their view on him and whatever but then there's also going to be the actual movie as it plays out as well so it's going to be this weird kind of self-aware telling of nikola tesla's life it's, it's gotten decent reviews so far um i i don't know how much like i'm looking forward to it but guess what i'm going to be talking about it um it, I don't know. I'm in for a surprise. It looks like it's going to be very unique. Hopefully, I like uh, the style choice that they went with, and that's honestly what I'm most looking forward to. But again, uh, Tesla coming out this weekend that will be available on demand. Uh, Unhinged, if you're a big Russell Crowe fan, if you've ever wanted to relate to road rage, and not even just road rage, but acting on your road rage, and I guess doing something about your road rage, that's Unhinged. 
That's only got a theatrical release. It was meant to release in July, and it got bumped all the way back to August 21st now. Uh, not good reviews for this movie so far. I still don't have access to the theater in my area, so I will not be able to see it this weekend if I end up seeing it at all, honestly. Um, but again, that's coming out this weekend if you want to see Unhinged in theaters. Uh, and then, cool news here, we got the Inception re-release finally. It will be the 10th anniversary. It will also have a limited theatrical release. Uh, overseas, you should be able to see it in most cases. In the United States, here, it's going to be a little bit different. It will definitely depend on your area. Um, but, as a result... It is available on Amazon Prime. I did not realize that it was available on a streaming service until I actually looked it up to double check because I'm going to be talking about that next week. So the three movies that I will be talking about next week as of right now changes all the time, I know. Uh, but the one and only Ivan, again, available on Disney+, Plus. I'll be talking about that. Uh, Tesla, On Demand, and Inception, it is available on Amazon Prime. Or if you own the movie, you can obviously see it that way. Or if you've just seen it before and you want to just remember it from your memory and talk about it that way, can look forward to that. But those will be the three movies next week. Today, I'm going to be talking about Sputnik that released on Video On Demand. Really, really, really liked Sputnik. Synopsis for Sputnik. The lone survivor of an enigmatic spaceship incident hasn't returned back home alone. Hiding inside his body is a dangerous creature. A movie I was talking about earlier that I watched on Netflix that I did not care for was Project Power. And I was not happy that I did not like it, but I was not surprised at all. I was more so upset with myself that I got hyped up for a movie that I know better than to be excited for it. But uh, when a pill that gives its users unpredictable superpowers for five minutes hits the streets of New Orleans, a teenage dealer and a local cop must team with an ex-soldier to take down the group responsible for its creation. So that's Project Power. Finally, I mean, I will be talking about Scott Pilgrim versus The World today. I actually just watched it this morning. I was like, ah, I didn't get to watch it again the past few weekends. I'm just going to throw it on this morning. And then I was really just going to talk about two movies, but I figured why not just talk about Scott Pilgrim versus The World and throw that in there. So synopsis for that movie, if you haven't seen it before, Scott Pilgrim must defeat his new girlfriend's seven evil exes in order to win her heart. So that's that. Uh, moving on to reviews here now, and I will start with Sputnik. So... Without further ado, let's review Sputnik. In trying to come up with an American comparison for this compelling Russian sci-fi, the first two films that came to mind were Arrival and Alien. Unfortunately, I was not the first person to think of this comparison, and I can't imagine that I will be the last, but even so, I was still, and still am, just still happy to hear others think of Sputnik in this way because it is very deserving of that company. Sputnik is not rated, but it is, it's definitely rated R. Uh, I apologize for butchering these names, too, associated with this movie, because I'm not Russian, so I, I'm going to butcher these. Uh, but it is directed by Igor Abramenko. It is categorized as a drama, horror, and sci-fi movie that runs one hour and 53 minutes long. And it stars Aksana Akinshina, Fedor uh, Bondarchuk, and Piotr Fyodorov. I know I butchered those, I apologize. Sputnik comes in at a 91% full on the milk meter. Now, I can't imagine that Sputnik will live on and have the same legacy of something like the Alien franchise or even that of Arrival from just a few years ago, but I really, really enjoyed what I saw from this film. Filled with moments of intensity, fright, and the everlasting intrigue as to what else is out there, I never felt a sense of boredom, and I never felt the need to double-check the clock and see how much longer the movie was going to last, which is a huge, huge factor in the success of an at-home movie in today's world. 
I will say that the score felt a little overdramatized at points, and the violence or the gore seemed to be somewhat out of place, but that could very well be either a cultural difference or just a personal opinion. So I don't want to hold that against this spectacular sci-fi thriller any more than just noting that I feel that way. So aside from that minor complaint, and I want to emphasize that's a minor complaint for me, I was very pleased with what Sputnik delivered. The expectations that I had when I went into this were very much met. And although the story took a somewhat different path than I had anticipated, not in a plot twist sense, but in a this movie is telling a different story than what I had thought it was going to kind of way, I definitely say that it's a movie that I would see again and one that I highly recommend to anyone interested in the genre. I mean, talk about the most Netflix movie of all time. I liked the cast, the story had something to it, and the visuals were convincing enough, but there is just absolutely nothing interesting or noteworthy about Project Power. Project Power is rated R. I don't think it needed to be rated R. It probably could have been PG-13. It doesn't matter. Uh, but it was directed by Henry Joost and Ariel Shulman. It is categorized as an action, crime, and sci-fi movie that also runs one hour and 53 minutes long. And it stars Jamie Foxx, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and Dominique Fishback. I hate this movie more than the score will lead you to believe but this movie comes in at a 43% full on the milk meter. From the obnoxious music that played between scenes and over conversations, very much like Netflix had done with The Old Guard from a few weeks ago and just other movies in their repertoire, to the completely out of place, hit you over the head with them, fourth wall breaking references, I could tell within the first five minutes of Project Power that I was not going to enjoy the next two hours of my life. Far too often. It seems like the most important elements in making a movie for Netflix are a playlist of songs that people like but are used unnecessarily, a kid who has it rough and needs to find someone to guide them, or a kid who needs to be saved by a parent or guardian who lost them through a traumatic event in their past that we find out about in increments throughout the movie, a comic relief who usually throws out the references that no one cares about, and depending on the movie, mediocre action or just being not funny, because I, I honestly don't think that Netflix is ever funny. But to the action point, I don't want to discredit movies like Extraction that delivered genuinely awesome action sequences. And I should mention too that Netflix is, is very good at bringing on actors for roles that almost any actor could fill. So really all they're doing is just getting a name attracted or attached to a movie that will attract more eyeballs, but they didn't need that actor because they're not acting like we know they can act or should act. They're not bringing everything to the table. They're just, again, used for their name. But that's pretty much my review for Project Power. I know Netflix has had plenty of success and they've produced good movies in the past, but as for anything in between, and especially Project Power, it just does nothing for me. So with that, I guess I just don't recommend Project Power. I didn't like it. I don't think it's the worst movie that I've ever seen, but I'm just not happy with it because I, I was looking forward to seeing it, and then I saw it, and like I said, within the first five minutes, I was like, wait a second, I'm not going to like this movie. It's literally going to be every other Netflix movie that's ever existed. And before I forget, I meant to throw this in earlier, shout out to Joseph Gordon-Levitt and just the team behind Project Power to have Joseph Gordon-Levitt wear the Steve Gleason jersey. I know this was 
uh, big for Saints country and New Orleans and whatnot. So I guess that was cool to give him his own little shout out because Steve Gleason definitely deserves that. But he literally just wore it like the entire time. And as much as I like Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he just wasn't funny. And he was kind of meant to be some sort of comic relief. But I don't know. Like I said, that's my review. More than anything, that was just a me hating on Netflix for what have I been talking for almost four minutes now about this movie that's that don't I'm gonna say it just don't watch Project Power upon my rewatch of the great Scott Pilgrim versus the world it is absolutely insane to see where these actors were a decade ago and to know how far they've come since but even looking past that and even 10 years after its release Scott Pilgrim versus the world is still a very fun and very entertaining movie. Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is rated PG-13. It is directed by Edgar Wright. It is categorized as an action, comedy, and fantasy movie that runs 1 hour and 52 minutes long, and it stars Michael Sarah, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and Kieran Culkin, among many, many other stars. Scott Pilgrim vs. the World comes in at an 88% full on the milk meter, with plenty of laughs from start to finish and a fun story that perfectly embodied what a movie like this should be I have nothing but good things to say about Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Predicated on its absurdities and having that driven by fantastic actors, I will once again say that this movie is just two hours of pure fun. Especially upon rewatch, seeing Michael Sarah fight off villains like Captain America, Captain Marvel, Superman, the TV version that is, and the always humorous Jason Schwartzman, all for the heart of Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who we now know as Huntress, is just a really good time. Plus, throwing Anna Kendrick and Aubrey Plaza into just about anything will always end up being a good idea. Now, back in 2010, before this class of actors really took off, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World worked. It was entertaining then, and dare I say that 10 years later, it is aged like a fine wine and is even better now. Regardless of how many times you've seen this movie, and regardless of what kind of movies you're into, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is a very much worthwhile watch for anyone and everyone. That's all I have for news, reviews, and rewinds. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast, or if you have not already. I appreciate everybody listening. Remember to share it with your friends as well. Next week, DC Fandom will take place on Saturday. Remember to keep up with that. That is 24 straight hours of just stuff from the dc universe uh over the weekend too you will be able to watch the one and only ivan that will be available on disney plus uh tesla that will be available on demand uh, if you want to see unhinged you can go to the theater and see that and if you're going to go to the theater you might as well just see the re-release of inception remember i will be talking about that on the podcast as well next week uh, thank you again everybody for listening hasta la vista